Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all-access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shout-outs on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic... Uh, movie reviews as well and then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover and that also includes bonus episodes classic movie reviews interviews with independent actors actresses directors and comic book writers and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes monthly newsletters free digital movies and shout outs on the main feed as well go ahead subscribe to the patreon we hope that we'll see you there and always until next time guys bye bye Hey, Tamika. Hey, can you hear me? All right. I can hear you great. Can you hear me okay? Okay, I won't say anything about the government. <laughs> okay. All right, so I thank you for wanting to do this review with me. Oh, yeah, it's important. So, yeah, I was going to do it. I, I don't <laughs> even have my, have my AirPods in because I was afraid that was the issue. But it, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, because I got mine in too. So, so anyways, as everybody knows, we're reviewing One Night in Miami, and this is actually this you you got me into the soundtrack. To be honest with you, remember that? Oh yeah, with Sam Cooke. Yeah, you got me into the Sam Cooke, um, you know the Sam Sam Cooke song that I really oh, yeah. like from the soundtrack. Yeah, I still play that, which was uh, I Love You for Sentimental Reasons was the name of that song by Sam Cooke. And also, too, I like how this movie ends up opening up to where we have Cassius Clay fighting up against against a boxer. And, you know, and of course, we see Michael Imperoli as Angelo uh, as Angelo, who's supposed to be managing him. And everything. I definitely love the chemistry between them two because it actually did feel like you know Michael Lamparoli and him were were um, definitely has that good conne- connection there where I could feel like that he was a manager, you know. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And also, too, we're also dealing with other uh, other characters in this film. Of course, it's based off of a. Uh, True story, but also a fictional side of the story, though, too. We actually have Addis Hodge as Jim Brown. We have uh, Kingsley as Malcolm X. And then, of course, we have uh, Leslie Odom as Sam Cooke. And then, of course, we have Lance Ridham as uh, Cream X. You know, so this, this film is actually really good. When you told me to check this film out, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot and everything. I ended up loving it. For what it was. You're dealing with a lot of people that's fighting their own demons in this thing too. And what they're mm-hmm. afraid of. Which is something that I really admire. And not only that, but I also love films where it pretty much stays into one room. Basically, if you think about it. Because the whole thing takes place in a hotel room. Yeah, it, it was a play too. Um, oh, okay, so that explains why it felt more like a play a little bit. So I didn't. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I I forgot the guy's name, but I I know it was a play, and I think he um, was a consultant or co-writer or writer for it to be adapted to screen, and I know Regina King directed it. Yeah, Regina King directed it, and that's another thing, too, that I have to admire, the fact that we actually have a female director directing this film, because I feel like we need more female directors directing and being out in the center rather than in the background and everything, so I would really like that. Um, but yeah, whenever this thing opens up, of course, like I mentioned, with the fight with Cassius, and then we have the fight with, uh, of course, Michael Amparoli's trying to help him out with trying to take this other boxer down, and then also, too, we're dealing with another thing that's going on, too, 
with Jim Brown's character, who was actually a football player for the Browns at that time. And I liked how, you know, it sets up where he goes to see this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he happens to be white. And, you know, they're talking on the porch like they're really good friends and everything. And then all of a sudden he says, you know the rules. You can't come in. Yeah, that was messed up. Cause it, that it, was. It, it was very jolting to me because I was, like, into it. You know, I was relaxed, too, like the character. Right. I was like, okay, good friends. He's like, man, you need anything, anything. You just come to me. All right, you just come to me. And you'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You know, you get up. And you naturally think, oh, we all going to go in the house together. And he's like, bro, <laughs> you know, I can't let you <laughs> in. Don't you know who you is? Exactly. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I was relaxed like the character, though, too, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was crazy. That was it crazy. definitely was crazy, to be honest with you, because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I was expecting him to open his doors to him. To Jim? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he said, your family and my family, we go way back and everything. Anything you want, anything you want at all, come to me. Even when uh, living, as long as I'm living, you know, my doors are always open to you. He's like, okay, man, thank you. I do appreciate that and everything. They're bringing their sweet tea and things like that. And all of a sudden, his wife needed help with some type of furniture or something moved. And he goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. He goes, look, man, I can help you with that. He goes, no, don't you know who you are? You can't be over here. You can't come in. I'm like, wait. You just said anything he needed. His door, your doors are o- always open to him, but you're, it's not actually open to him. So therefore, that tells me that he's not even an ally, which is messed up. Yeah, and it still goes according to Georgia rules that the end of segregation. You know, he couldn't let him in because he was black. So he's like, right. you know, I know we close, but you know, Georgia rules. Gotta follow those Jim Crow laws. You can't come in my house. <laughs> right. You can sit on my porch on the outside, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed in my in my house, he, which is he really messed did up. More than most black people did. You gotta sit on the porch and drink some lemonade. Right. And he was served lemonade, <laughs> but he just couldn't come in the house. And and that that was kind of like um it's kind of like how you tell a dog. No, you can't come in the house. You're an outdoor dog. That's what that felt right. like to me, that scene. like He was just reduced to a, like a, a animal. That's true. I didn't I didn't think of it like that. Then again, you know, I didn't I didn't think of how that was actually worded. But yeah, you're right. It's definitely something that it felt like he was more like an outside animal. And, you know, he's not allowed to come in or anything like that, which is really dicked up if you think about it. But yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like how you have a dog on the porch, and you you're, you and the dog are just enjoying the sun, and then all of a sudden you get up, and the dog's like, "Oh, okay, I'm getting to come in too," and <laughs> the guy's like, "No, you can't come in. You know the rules. You're a dog." So put that in right. context of a black guy. No, you can't come in because you're black. That's true. Like, it was like he was. It was like we as the audience felt like he was humanized, but then he became quickly dehumanized. So it's exactly. like they gave it to us and then they took it away. Right. Because I was getting excited for the guy. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we finally have someone that's close enough to his family. He's feeling welcomed. He's getting to talk to this guy. He's He has history with him. And then all of a sudden that shit got shut down real quick. Yeah, and which shows you too, no matter what your celebrity status is, you're still a, a Negro in um, in uh, white society, especially back then. Right. So him being this big football star and this hometown hero, he still wasn't given any rights or privileges. He still is uh, just like a dog. Right, because it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. And because remember what he says, no one can uh, take away take anything away from you with you running those yards the way that you ran those yards and, and everything mm-hmm. with, and when you were a football player, when, when you're doing that. And he's like, well, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging me that on that and everything. And all of a sudden, he goes from that just to being basically, forget about him being rich, forget about him being a popular athlete. 
he goes back from being just burnt, basically. Yeah. To this guy. Yeah. 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 It was just so messed up. And it's like you can we can be friends, but no one can see you. No one can see yeah. you in your home. Yeah. No. 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 Which I'm sure happened a lot. You know. I'm like, sure it did. Yeah, we could be friends and everything, but mm, no, nah, you can't <laughs> come in because people will call me like a nigga lover. And I can say that because I'm black. But people will say I'm a nigga. <laughs> I can. <laughs> yeah, you can. You have that right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Wow. Shouldn't. And you would think, like, um, I guess that would be a test of friendship, especially back then. I could see right. how how tense it would be, like if if like let's say me and you, John, like we're friends in in real life too, not podcast life. Right. <laughs> exactly. Let's say let's say we were born back then, right? Like civil rights era, and and we're walking down the street or whatever, or or in this context with the movie. And, you know, we're talking on the porch or whatever, and you let me in, or, and let's say a neighbor goes by and, like, boy, what you doing? You can't let her in. Like, bitch, please, I'm the one who lives here. You can go on ahead and turn me in or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then, that's what I'm John, but then, you know, that's what happened with the Freedom Fight. We got to get to the movie. It just all kind of tied right. in together. But with the right. Freedom Fighters, uh, freedom writers, sorry, um, like the the white kids from the liberal arts colleges in like California yep. and so forth that came down to the South to help blacks register to vote. They were on the bus, and and you know the bus exploded because the KKK threw some at them, but everybody was okay. And uh, I think one story was this white guy was. Or no, maybe it was something else. It was something else. Anyway, this white guy was part of the, you know, the busing or whatever. And he got hit in the head. And then he was trying to get up. And he said, this other white guy helped him up. And he was like, hey, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I'm all right. We just, you know, I just got to go help these other people. And he was telling, he was calling him like a nigger lover. He's like, well, that's what you get. You know, so right. basically, back then, if you stuck your neck out, you have to expect, you know, that you are gonna, after that. yeah, that you're gonna get busted upside the head by your own kind, and you have, you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty much like peer pressure story. if you think about it, <laughs> right? Oh, totally. Yeah, racism is peer pressure. Whoa. I mean, it's a form of peer pressure. It's not right because in back in those days, you can actually say it was a sign of peer pressure because of the fact that you acted differently towards someone that was someone of, of color, and it wasn't what the white people considered normal or anything like that to act. You would be called out on it, and then also to be hit upside your the, your head, like you said. So it's like, okay, do I really want to stick my neck out and everything and get hit upside the head with some, and maybe be in the hospital? Or do I want to go on ahead and pretend that I'm some I'm be racist even though I'm not racist just to suffice the white people? Yeah. You yeah, because you sticking up for black people back then, you you lose a you lost a lot. You know, you you probably would lose your job. You probably have mm-hmm. to move out of the neighborhood. But you know, it, it's all worth it. You know, to just to stand up for what's right. But I, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, back to the movie. But, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, another thing I want to mention is the fact that, you know, when it goes into the hotel part. Remember when Michael Lamparoli's character is talking about Cassius and Malcolm X and how, you know, he's like, look, you can't just go ahead and invite Malcolm to your party or anything like that or to your match because it's going to be bad for us because he said that white people are demons. Mm-hmm. And. That and you know, of course, you know, he tells Angelo, he goes, I don't care what what you think or anything like that. I don't care what he said. I'm the one who's flipping the bill. I'm the one who's 
winning the matches and stuff, it doesn't matter what these executives says. It doesn't matter what these reporters says. What matters is the fact that, you know, I'm I'm the one who's out there get, I'm getting my head beat on and everything too and taking licks while they're doing nothing. So I can do whatever I want because I'm I'm up for the championship belt. I'm gonna be the championship of the world. And, you know, I don't I don't need someone to tell me who I can and can't be friends with. But then yeah. you also have people of color though too that was actually on Angelo's side saying the same thing that Angelo was saying and about how he could separate uh, his fan base too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because of the, the religion of Islam. Right. And I was fact fact checking. Like did one night in Miami and what was real and what wasn't. For the most part, well, some of it was real. It was just the timeline that they had was kind of mm-hmm. out of order. Um, right. Because I, I read on um, Smithsonian Magazine when they had the article for one night in Miami, like what's real and what's not. Um, But yeah, Malcolm came. There's evidence he came to Muhammad Ali's matches and I didn't know that he was an avid photographer. It's you like see, I didn't know that part, either, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, that part of Malcolm you don't know because you always hear about the radical stuff and Nation of Islam. And it's like, yeah, that's good. But just knowing that, oh, he likes photography too, It to me, it humanizes him. Like he's mm-hmm. not this figure that people put on his pedestal. It's like, wow, this guy, you know, not only was he, you know, a great leader and he he had the guts to, to separate himself and to say, hey, you know, I'm finding a deeper meaning in Islam besides what's going on here. Like, he went through a metamorphosis. Right. Like, his life is fascinating to me. Like, just the, the transitions he went through from, like, uh, street hustler to whatever. Anyway, ha, huh, I'm I'm getting too <laughs> ahead of myself. That's it's what okay. It's movie. A, okay. Anyway, here's, here's the thing. You're actually, <laughs> to be honest with you, I have a big grin on my face when you're talking about this because I'm learning a lot say no too. More. I'm not saying no more. <laughs> so... I'm gonna save it for the. I'm gonna save it for our last review next okay. Saturday. Right. Okay. But. You know, I like the fact that they did that. It's not the typical Hollywood type of thing like they did with Judas and the Black Messiah. I feel like that the Judas and the Black Messiah was the best Black Panther adaptation to a movie because, you know, what Hollywood does is it only shows us a little bit of what the Black Panthers are, but not enough, you know? Like I said before, in our Black Panther review, all I saw was the berets. All I saw was the AK-47s, the gold chains, and that was it it actually doesn't add anything to it because we don't know, because here's the thing, they don't tell us anything about the background of the Black Panthers, just like how I don't know that much about Malcolm X because of the fact that there's not any hardly any movies where it dictates who he is as a human, that he liked photography and all that stuff. All we got was everything that was what the press was giving us, you know? Mm, minus and all the, the backlash. I watched him movie, yeah. Right. That's what. That's another thing I'm getting at, though. And too. plus, I, you, well, like we were, we had this conversation before, John. We're, I mean, we're gonna get back to the movie review. Everyone, just calm down. <laughs> we, we had this conversation before when we were talking about Malcolm X, and because you're from Boston originally, right? And you were, you were asking me, like, you know, did they teach Malcolm X where you are? Because I'm from the South. Uh, from Georgia um, right? and you were asking me did they teach Malcolm X in your school what did they teach about did they teach about Martin Luther King blah 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 and so right. being a native from Atlanta which is one of the I'm one of the few natives from Atlanta <laughs> uh, Martin Luther King is king of Atlanta basically so, so is Mississippi they, though too oh okay yeah so basically, they 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 emphasize Martin Luther King a lot, and we used to go to the King Center. I went to the King Center from like elementary to probably middle school. 
Wait, did I go high? <laughs> no, I went. I went again. My last time going was um, college because I just had a separate paper that was on Martin Luther King. But yeah, that that was pretty much my experience, and we brushed over Malcolm X. And I think oh, wow. in schools, they kind of, well, we talked about him, but the emphasis was on Martin Luther King. And I think mm. in schools, uh, Malcolm X is a controversial figure. That's so true. in these public schools, they don't really talk about him too much. That's true, because they, they didn't really you know, teach me anything either in, in Mississippi school systems either, you know? They just mm -hmm. all we talked about was basically Martin Luther King, and then they said, uh, then they kind of did like a featuring Malcolm X, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, us, yeah, they just there gave was us like a little Malcolm X, but that's all you need to know. We're like, what? Oh, I do take that back. I have like a couple teachers that were rebels, as I call them, and I'm glad they were. I had a middle school. Well, he was the gym teacher, but he was teaching like reading comprehension. You remember when your gym teacher did double duty? Yep, I remember okay. that. Yeah, so he told us, "Oh, you guys are gonna read Malcolm X?" We were like, "Malcolm X? What?" So we had to read Malcolm X the <laughs> Alex Haley um, story. Um, well, you know him collaborating with Alex Haley, which is mentioned in the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, we read that. And he had us read Roots. Like, he was pretty, um, yeah, he was pretty badass for a teacher. Because usually teachers don't put that on the reading list. I mean, no, at least that was pretty from my experience, yeah. they didn't. I just had to get that it from bold. a gym teacher. Yeah. That was bold of him to do mm -hmm. that. I, I can respect, I respect him for doing that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel and like there's a lot of history that, I feel like there's a lot of history to the point where some of it is either covered up or some of it nobody wants to really talk about because it's so controversial. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just like with this movie, I did not know that Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Muhammad Ali were all friends. I was like, no, nah, this is just fiction for the movie. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that's real? Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know they knew each other. Like, I knew, well, I knew Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, but the Sam Cooke and Jim Brown one was really shocking to me. I was like, like I didn't that even surprised know. me. Yeah, because it seemed like, like Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali go together, like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> right. But, like, Sam Cooke and Jim Brown, like, I didn't even know Sam Cooke was, like, that radical. Well, you see, I didn't know either about the fact that they all hung out either. I found that fascinating because, like you mm -hmm. said, it seemed like Muhammad Ali and Malcolm goes together. But when yeah. you have a singer and a football player mixed with those two, it just doesn't mix right, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you know what, though? I definitely like that aspect where, you know, they're in the hotel room after Muhammad Ali um, – which is Cassius goes on ahead and wins the heavyweight championship. But I like the whole scene where there's that struggle where he's not sure if he wants to be in the, um, be part of that role that Malcolm's in or anything like that. There's that struggle there, you know, if he wants, if he wants to cross that line or not, you know, because there's yeah. also peer pressure from Sam. There's peer pressure also from, you know, Jim as well because don't forget they're in there in the same room with him and he's like are you really going to go through with it yeah yeah and everything yeah. too so even from his own peers he was actually having trouble you know trying to come to terms if he was going to do that or not yeah yeah and and this I think this scene well not this is that scene but all of them together did happen in a hotel room but nobody knows what they talked about. And this movie, One Night in Miami, is just, I guess it's like a, a the, the writer was just thinking, maybe this is what they talked about. You know, I think he did right. research on like how each of them interacted with each other. 
like not in right. this hotel room, but in general. And he just kind of put it all in one story. So I thought I that was that. pretty cool. Yeah, it's like nobody knew what they were talking about. They all just met at a hotel room after the fight. And, so it's, right. it is playing along historically. It's just that you don't know what they said exactly in the hotel room. Right. And I like the fact that it's like a speculation piece where, you know, what if scenario kind of thing? Like, what if they mm-hmm. talked about this or that? And also, too, you also have a piece of Malcolm, though, too, that we haven't seen before, unless it's in the Denzel Washington movie, where, of course, he calls up his wife and checks on the kids, make sure, making sure they're okay. And everything, yeah. too, which is very human, human, human-like. So you know? this this guy that's playing Denzel in One Night at, not Denzel, huh? Oh my god! <laughs> wow, Denzel uh, Kingsley. Like so ingrained in the Malcolm X movie that when I think about Malcolm X, I think about Denzel. That's so sad. <laughs> I think of him too. To be honest with you, I'm like, <laughs> damn you're not, you, Spike you're not Denzel. Lee. You done messed up my right. historical timeline. <laughs> Right, it's like I like you, Kingsley, but Denzel's my my milk. <laughs> I know? was gonna say, like, um, so this Malcolm, I got it right. So this Malcolm, he 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 looks like him, you know, he's light skinned which I I read that that was part of the controversy before the 1992 Malcolm X came out. And a lot of people in the black community was like, well, Denzel's dark skin. Like, Malcolm's light skin. And right. I was like, really? But um, I'm sure if we rewind from 1992, maybe this Malcolm would do a good job as well. But I don't think he would bring the, the passion that Denzel brought. No. Because I just felt like the energy level was Malcolm. Whenever you look at Denzel playing that role, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he got. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. This guy Kingsley that played Malcolm, he got into that passionate role a little bit and everything else, where he got mad, and of course you see him ra- rise his voice and everything else. But we don't see him on that whole entire path where you have Denzel, where Denzel was at, you know. But that goes yeah. to show you that each actor brings a different level of authenticity to the character that they're playing so oh yeah maybe during maybe during this time maybe you know i think this is more of friends uh getting together where we oh, don't yeah. see this is just me speculating and going off the cuff i want you to just tell me what you think about this but okay. to me i think the reason why we don't see that level of energy is because maybe you know, it's about a group of friends getting together and celebrating Cassius Clay winning uh, the heavyweight championship. Therefore, he doesn't have to be in front of the press or anything like that. This is more of his private time with his friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Which is mind-blowing anyway, just to (laughs) have all these iconic historic figures in one room just as friends chilling, shooting the breeze challenging each other on their ideals and religion and uh, the movement like how Malcolm challenged Sam Cooke and he was like you singing all these bebop songs (laughs) And you're not doing nothing for the cause. And Sam, in this movie, Sam was like, I am doing something for the cause. I own my own masters, which is is a, a fascinating back then mm-hmm. for an artist to own his own masters. He's like, I own my own masters. And I'm helping black artists. But to Malcolm, he had to do something a little bit more than that. He had to be right. on stage or public. Right. It was more of like, like you said, you have the, out of all of our talents, you have what one person wishes they could have, which is a voice. And 
through he wanted him to be able to do like that Bob Dylan song that he was singing, you know? Mm-hmm. Whenever Bob mm-hmm. came out with that one song. And, you know, it was more the fact that it wasn't the fact that he was mad at Al- Malcolm or anything like that. It wasn't the fact that um Sam was mad at, at Malcolm or anything like that. He was mad at the fact that he didn't he was mad at himself for not making a song like that to begin with. Oh yeah. Yeah. And everything. But I also like how Sam puts it into perspective where he winds up saying, yeah, I owe my own masters, but guess what? Though, too, I'm also making money off of white people, too. I'm taking mm-hmm. their money. I'm the one who's in mm-hmm. charge, and they don't even know it yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Because that yeah. Rolling Stones song, guess what? I went on ahead. I got him. got the Rolling Stones to make a cover of it. The original songs disappears for six months. And then after six months of it being disappeared, the guy who originally wrote it and everything starts making money off of it. All of a sudden, he winds up being the happy camper out of it all and gets the reward out of it. You know? Yeah. That's what I got yeah. out of that. But it reminds me of also, too, Straight Out of Compton with Ice Cube. And them too, because of the fact that remember when they were doing the F the police and everything that with that mm-hmm. song and the controversy that was yeah. surrounded by them. Well, they were yeah. burning albums. They were burning their CDs and everything. And then, and everybody looked at Ice Cube and they're like, "Dude, they're burning our CDs," and he's just laughing his ass off because it doesn't matter. I already made my money off of them. Yeah, and everything. They can burn all the CDs they want. If they want to go in hand and buy their C- buy our albums and burn them, let them burn them. But in the end, I'm the one which, who made money off of it. I which is also the same thing that Sam it. is doing. Yeah, I never understood that anyway. They did that to the Beatles too. I think they like burned. Yep. They bought all the Beatles albums and they burned them. And I'm like, wait, aren't you still contributing to their wealth? Yep. Same thing with the <laughs> Harry Potter books. They, I knew people oh, yeah. that burned Harry Potter books too. But you bought them, right? I was like, do you guys <laughs> understand that they get royalties off of that? Yeah, you so burning just... it doesn't mean anything because they can just reprint right. more. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's also what I got from Sam, though. Too, oh, though. silly humans. <laughs> yeah, it was like it doesn't matter if um you know, what the, those white people do or anything like that. What matters is the fact that I can still make money off of them and they don't even know it. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. you know. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, when Sam was at the Copacabana. Oh, yeah. That was okay. cringeworthy because he came in because they didn't want him to sing at first. This is when he was first starting out. Um, and before he did soul music, I guess he just did like party top 10 party music. Um, so he went to the Copacabana and he was singing and he took the mic and the mic stand <laughs> fell. And then he was trying to sing this song that everybody knew, and they was like, Uh, I liked it better when Doris Day sang it or whoever that artist was, right? And he had there just singing and and feeling awkward and you can tell his awkwardness permeates to the audience and then they feel awkward and then they're like I'm gonna leave because this guy's making me feel awkward Right. and then like <laughs> you see his other performances throughout the movie like he went he almost went through that awkward stage again when the, one of his songs didn't play it was something like that where the, the audio the, uh, was cut out. Yeah, where somebody unplugged the microphone. Yeah. And it was like, oh crap, what I do now? So instead of being awkward, he just um, exuded confidence and sung a cappella. You know, and just like. And got the audience improvised. to help him. Yeah, he improvised. So that shows you if you're an artist or you're on stage. And something goes wrong, don't even acknowledge it. Just pretend like I don't know what happened. I'm just gonna go <laughs> with the flow. I may be a hot mess inside, but I'm gonna go with the flow. 
And if you right. exude confidence, then the audience would be like, hmm, this guy seems confident. I feel comfortable. He's comfortable. I'm comfortable. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. It doesn't show that awkwardness and everything either, like you mentioned, which is something that I mm-hmm. admired with that. To me, that little, whenever they're stamping their feet and you own that, oh, that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually love that because it makes me feel like I'm actually on the streets marching with um, Martin Luther King whenever he's doing that kind of thing. I can just imagine mm. um, I can just imagine that what, walking with everybody and they're doing that little thing that Sam is doing. You know? Oh, wow. That's, That's pretty neat. Yeah. Because I could see that. I can totally see that happening. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then Malcolm at first was just going to leave and bail on his friend. <laughs> and then he sees the movement that he's doing. And that's what he was talking about. Like he has the biggest influence in music and he's wasting it on these little love melodies and things like that when he could do so much more with it. And that's why Malcolm yeah. gets so pissed off at him. Yeah. But also Sam challenges Malcolm too. I think he's like, you don't have to do all these. I forgot what he said. I'm just gonna paraphrase. Uh, like you don't have to do all this heist. You know, you can just be yourself. Right. But then right. This, where the the timeline is out of order. But this is when Malcolm is, you know, just saying, "Well, um, I'm I'm thinking about leaving the Nation of Islam and starting my own um, section, sect, whatever." <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm starting my own thing. Um, so I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, uh, but ahead. yeah. Okay, so basically, he's saying like he's gonna go ahead and form his own um, Muslim party and everything too, and get away from the whole, get away from Islam, and have it to where it's just related for him and whoever he recruits, and still be under that banner, but it just won't be through that. Uh, sanction. That's what I'm guessing. Well, that does that make mm-hmm, sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, okay, it came back to me. Um, when Sam uh, confronted Malcolm, and this was this is still everybody still in the room together. When Sam confronted Malcolm about uh, Elijah Muhammad, and he was like, he has this big house and all this stuff. And then all these all these other people up here on the street selling crack and he don't and all this that. And he was just challenging him about the different views of the nation and whether they are for all the um up upward movement of black people. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant to say. Right. And I love that, though. I love the fact that they both challenge each other because that's what friendships oh, are, yeah. though. They're both, you know, we both challenge each other and stuff like that, too, in everyday life. And I figure that's what friendship does. And what mm-hmm. Sam and him do is they both challenge each other on that same aspect. And Malcolm is thinking about the other people that are outside that whole entire Muslim culture is like, how can I go ahead and make this work for me, but also not only make that work for me, but how can I help the community as well with what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. at that point because at that point it doesn't it's no longer about him it's about other people now yeah you know because at first you know it, is that wrong for me to say it seemed like at first it was just all about Malcolm in a sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on what he thought wow. and then all of a sudden his yeah. whole entire thought process changes whenever Sam winds up bringing that little piece of aspect in it's like, well, how is this going to help the people that are addicted to the crack or uh, people that are segregated? How is that going to help? And mm-hmm. everything. What are you doing into the community? And you're not in, not about yourself and serving yourself. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I liked another thing, though, too, I have to find that was actually kind of humorous, though, was remember when. Cassius winds up winning the fight and they're all expecting to get laid that night <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're like oh this is <laughs> and then Malcolm goes 
No, sorry guys. There's, that's not that's not gonna happen. We're just gonna have ice cream. Like, it's like I want <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Jim Brown like I want some pussy. I don't know ice cream. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what flavor you got? Vanilla? Oh man, come on. <laughs> it's a plastic spoon party time. I'm like, man, right? what the hell? Yeah. It's like, what's yeah, going that, on that over here? Malcolm's. That was Malcolm's song. Hey, we partying this way. Vanilla ice cream and plastic spoons, y'all. <laughs> we got the plastic wear. Come on. Man. And then the other part where he, well, Malcolm was like, Jim, you could be part of the nation too. You could be a strong Muslim brother. He was like, man, hey, you tasting my mama pork? I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I was like, whoa. He's like, I like pork and white women. I like, dang, bro. <laughs> exactly. He's like, look, I'm all for, um, he goes, I'm happy for you guys. I'm glad that you guys are Muslim and everything else, but that's not my lifestyle. So I'm just going to eat my pork. I'm going to ha- get laid <laughs> and you guys just have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that reminds me, oh, wait, I'm getting too prepared of myself, but okay. that reminds me of Spike Lee when, <laughs> when, um, when Malcolm was like, uh, Malcolm, a.k.a. Denzel Washington, was like, brother, you should join the nation. And he was like, I like pig feet and white women. I can't do that. I was like, dang. There you <laughs> That's go. It. That's the only hey. <laughs> I can't blame him. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, it's like, I'm not going to be any use for you because this is what I like and this is who I am. Sorry, brother. But, you know, good luck to you and your Evers, but it's not going to be happening for me. But uh-uh. Terrible. I love the roof. Another thing, though, too, I want to mention is the rooftop scene. When they go up to the rooftop. And also, too, this is also to help calm Malcolm's nerves because he actually feels like he's in danger to and everything because he's always looking out the window. He always feels like he's being targeted and everything. And everybody thinks, oh, he's just paranoid. But you don't realize the weight that he actually carries on him by him going out there and making those speeches and everything else. And people do want him dead and everything because of the way that he's talking. And everyone's like, oh, no, you're, that's just in your head and everything and things like that. You're fine, you know. But underneath everything, yeah, he's bold outside. But in the inside, he's really scared. He's, his anxiety level's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it is uh yeah, and then they they were horsing around taking the camera from him, and uh, you know he got real mad. He was like, "Man, my wife gave me that camera. You don't give me that camera, bush upside your head." And they were like, "Whoa, this Muslim man talking like that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, because remember, he was, "Man, what kind of camera is this?" Oh, you know, it's da 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 da. Oh, let me see. They see, you know, they start <laughs> doing like a keep away thing uh, and everything, and trying to keep it from him. You know, just mm-hmm. like how friends do, a group of guys do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then, I mean, I I like that aspect. It was just so natural, right. <laughs> so funny. You know, it's like it's it's all these big historic figures playing keep away with Malcolm <laughs> X camera. Malcolm X camera. It's kind of <laughs> like um when you when they show those reels. Or like whatever somebody took a video or whatever, and it's like just Martin Luther King chilling on the bed, you know, with Jesse ja- Jesse Jackson and all the others, <clears throat> and they're just telling stories about it. They're like, yeah, they, we used to just joke too. It's like good to see that human aspect of these civil rights figures that we put on this huge pedestal. And mm-hmm. when you hear like things like that, like, oh, we would be joking and Martin would be, you know, talking about how big somebody's head is. Man, he got a big old head. You know, just <laughs> ha-ha, you know, stuff like that, where it's just you and the boys. I don't know. I found that fascinating. Just I do, too. putting more of a human aspect into these iconic civil rights figures. Same here, because, you know, I like to see... It's like, okay, it's all business all during the daytime, but you have to have some downtime for yourself to be able to just relax and be with your friends. You know, it can't always be... It can't always be about... Uh, 
just going into the politics of different things. Okay. <laughs> it was your, uh, my your phone mom. mom. I keep forgetting. <laughs> my iPhone mom was like, girl, I told you five minutes of downtime. Click. I was like, mom. <laughs> Darn it, Apple. But, uh, but no, what I was saying was this. like, You can't do anything uh, serious all the time, you know? You actually have to have some downtime for yourself to where you can wind down with your friends. You can't be all about the walk or anything like that. You actually have to want to have some downtime for your friends. Otherwise, you lose yourself within everything. You know, you have to have some type of humanism inside of you, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, can we talk about Jim Brown? Yeah, let's talk about him. Is so fascinating to hear that he just walked away from football to be an actor. You know, it's like that that transition that he had where he's like, I want to do something else. You know, besides football, mm-hmm. I want to act. And and they all, right. all these men were going through this, this um, great transition in their lives. Like Jim Brown was going through a career change. I want to act. You know, and Muhammad Ali was going through like a, a spiritual awakening. You know, like my name isn't Cassius. Mm-hmm. It's Muhammad Ali now. I want to join the Nation of Islam. And Sam was going through the transition of, oh, I want to be more political in my music. And, and Malcolm was going through a, a spiritual awakening too. Where it was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be part of the the nation like this anymore. I want to find my own path. Right. So I and yeah, you know, transition seems to be the the theme of this movie for me. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. To be honest with you, too. not only battling with your own demons or your own decisions, but also dealing with transitioning into something else. And doing mm-hmm. something else than doing what you've done all all your career, and back in those days, to see a person of color that go from being a football athlete or any athlete, and then going into acting, you know, that's actually something surprising. And even uh, who winds up calling him out on that though? Too, he's like, okay, so what kind of um, character are you going to be playing? Oh, I'm going to be hunting down this Confederate. Uh, person, and then next thing you know it, uh, my character's gonna die though. But you know, it's it's gonna be great. And he goes, "You see, that's what I'm talking about." <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, you know, uh-huh. and you know, I and even though it was gonna end like that for Jim being uh, being killed off in one of the stories, he didn't care because that was his passion. That's what he wanted to do. You know, and it didn't matter what anybody else thought. That's what he wanted to do, and he went for it. Yeah. And then, of course, you see the transition with Sam when he was on the Johnny Carson show, and that's when he decided to come up with that song. I don't know. It was like, you know, they don't uh, give us a time period on. Call. Yeah. Right. They don't give us a time period or a timeline on how long that's been since the hotel room thing, but we have to assume it was maybe a couple months later or a year later or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. I definitely loved how he all of a sudden developed his own his own way of doing things rather than doing the same things repeatedly that he's done all his career. And he yeah. said what he was going to do with Malcolm. Yeah. He said, look, I'm going to go on ahead. I'm going to, and well, he tells Jim, he goes, I'm going to go on ahead and make a song about the movement. And everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself he goes, I'm supposed to be the soul, the person of soul. And I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving any mountains. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, you know? it's like going from a pop singer to an R and B. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if so, you look at the um Netflix, I think it's called Remastered, the two killings of Sam Cook. Like that's really good too. It just I'm talks check about, like, it kind of talks about how he went into a transition, and it mentions, I think it mentions Martin, not Martin, huh, Malcolm X a little bit, um, but also how, 
you know, when Sam Cooke went through this transition in his music mm-hmm. and his life, it, it put a big target on him. You know, and I his, can imagine. I mean, he got killed. And right. of course, you know, his nobody knows who killed him, quote unquote. Um, or he was kind of framed and like, oh, he was just some guy that met up with some woman and then it was a drug deal going back. It was some type of weird frame conspiracy that happened. That's still a it's still a mystery. Like, how exactly did this man die? You know, right. and what don't was forget. he doing there? Yeah. <laughs> Right, because don't forget, too, we've seen that happen in Judas and the Black Messiah where, uh, what's his name, got set up for just having ice cream. Yeah, yeah, I would so, like Sam Cook's death to be investigated just like um, Fred Hampton's death mm-hmm. is being investigated. So maybe like years from now, we will know like what happened with Sam Cook. Right, the true story of Sam Cooke is what I would like to see. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I think he deserves it. I mean, and yes, you know, I being friends with Malcolm definitely puts you in the spotlight to mm-hmm. have things happen to you. And also, too, I also liked how at the very end, too, where you see Malcolm and you can see that he's looking at outside the window and he sees those two guys out there and he knows that he knows pretty soon that his life's going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. He just has that feeling. Even when yeah. his house gets burned down, he still has that feeling. This is not the end. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and can I suggest another documentary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who Killed Malcolm X, also on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> You know me, I'm going to probably... Good, yeah, it's a good follow-up from the movie. It did roll right into the two killings of Sam Cooke on Netflix, and then you roll on over to Who Killed Malcolm X on Netflix. Okay. I'm going to have to get that one a shot. Yeah, which I don't know if we can review because, you know, government already tried to <laughs> shut us down on stereo apps. <laughs> so I can't imagine what they'll do to us if we try to review it. It's okay. And maybe I'm not scared of the government. We can. Oh, well, you you're white Italian, <laughs> so, but I can't I can't be too radical. I'm okay. black with a, a droplet of Irish blood. Droplet. <laughs> <laughs> In Scottish blood. I love how you said just a drop. <laughs> well, they said a drop counts. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> twenty-three of me told me I was five percent. So I'm like, okay, um, sure. <laughs> so my other thing is this too. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention with this movie at all, or anything like that? Uh, I wish I could remember that quote. I think, you know, when it was going off. You saw Malcolm in the movie. You know, Malcolm looked at Sam Cooke perform A Change Is Gonna Come. Mm-hmm. And then there was a quote that Malcolm said. And it was about um, oh gosh, I guess standing up for what's right or, or even if you gotta be a martyr and put yourself on the line. I'm paraphrasing, but it was somewhere along those lines, and then it said like two days after he said this, he was killed. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Mm. And also going, you know, Regina King did a fantastic job just capturing like these, the humanity of all these men. And if you didn't even know Regina King like directed this, you would think, oh, a guy directed it. I was like, no, it was a woman. She directed it. You know, it was, it, you could see the vulnerability in these men, but also it was very, uh, very much like a, a dude movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to put like like sexist labels on it or anything, but she did a good job. 
Exactly. I feel like that yeah. this was the most real that we got from them mm-hmm. out from being outside the spotlight. You know? Yeah, totally. So, with that being said, I think that this is actually a perfect movie on its own merit. I think that she did a really good job at directing this film. She knew what she was going for. She definitely got the chemistry between all these actors together. And it actually did feel like friendship. She nailed, she knocked it out of the park for me. And, yeah, you know, she made the audience feel like we were the, what, fifth person in the room? Right. It felt like that we were in the room with them. It yeah, definitely it felt, felt like, like that. we were the um, friend that they didn't mention in the room. Right. We were just the background. <laughs> we were just yeah. Yeah, wanting the ice friend. cream. Yeah, we were the friend in the corner eating the ice cream that the camera never went to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the audience was. Yeah. So if you can do something like that in a movie, I think that's awesome. Same. Same as well. And so, let's see. Another thing, too, that I have to say that was really good was the music aspect of it. I thought it felt fit in with the timeline. I thought, like I said, the soundtrack is just amazing. If you guys want to listen to the soundtrack, go ahead and check that out. It's on iTunes right now for you to buy. Or you can go ahead and check out the music on, of course, you probably can go ahead and check it out on Spotify. You can probably check it out on YouTube. So check that out over there. And that's pretty much everything I want to mention as far as this movie goes. What about you? Uh, that's pretty much it. Like I said, it <clears throat> the the events are historically accurate, but the timeline is just out of order. And and right. some parts are you know in the hotel. What happened in the hotel room is kind of just like part of the writer's imagination. But other than that, them meeting up, them being friends. The different paths they took in their lives, the the murders. Other than that, all that's pretty much historically accurate. Most definitely. All right, so that's gonna do it for tonight for this show. I thank you again, Tamika, for doing this and everything. I do appreciate you. Also, t- you know, I'm learning a lot from doing these these movies and stuff like that too with the Black History Month and of course too you know I've also been doing a lot of background checking and stuff like that on my own merit though too and just looking into the history of things so I do thank you for that yes and also make sure you get um, the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley because Malcolm X basically that's his memoir that he wrote and he just had assistance from the great Alex ha- Alex Haley, a famed author. So basically, right. this um, is just Malcolm X's words. Okay. I'll definitely yeah. do that, though. I'll definitely do that whenever I get my income tax and everything, too. I'll pick up the book. John, it's on Amazon, and you can get a used <laughs> copy for under $10. Come on. Okay. I'll go in and get one. I'll get oh, one. Jesus. I'm going to quiz you. <laughs> hey, I'm down. I'm down. Where was Malcolm that? X born? Go. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my god. I, I could just see us pages. just talking. Oh. <laughs> you know what though? I could just see us just talking and then out of the blue. Where was Malcolm X born at? Uh uh you didn't read the book, oh. did you? I have the book right here. Then look at it. Oh, no. <laughs> just... Yeah, cause Tamara, my friend Tamara, um, I got her a couple books that I you know, like history books from history mm-hmm. classes I've taken and I'm doing like a makeshift history class with her. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's learning about reconstruction and stuff like that. That's pretty neat. That's awesome of you. That's, that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, and she doesn't even need financial aid. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get... Come to me and you can say, Tamika, uh, I want to learn about Malcolm X. And then I'm like, get you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley, and then I'm going to have you write two-page paper on it. Okay, I'll definitely do that. See? Okay. No financial aid, no nothing. (laughs) 
Right. I just have you, and that's all I need. I don't need no financial yeah. aid. You don't even need college. Boy, who said that? College <laughs> is needed for a job. <laughs> but that's about Unfortunately. it. Learn everything else after college. <laughs> all righty, guys. So, here's the thing. Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, I'm going to be interviewing uh, my friend Crichton Hops, who's an independent director, and he actually has an autobiography out called How Many Chances? That's right. He has an autobiography that he wrote for the biography that he has on Amazon, and it's called How Many Chances? I'm going to be interviewing, interviewing him for that. This is only going to be strictly for the stereo app. I've already inter- interviewed him once already, and that's on the audio podcast. You can get that wherever you get your podcast from. But you can more than you'd be more than glad to go on ahead and just listen to us on stereo tomorrow night. If you have questions or anything like that, send in some voicemail messages. We'll go on ahead and take them on the ear. Uh, another thing too is I'm going to have Rampage Misfit on on March 10th with me. He's part of the stereo app, and we're going to be reviewing the Wrong Turn remake. So we're going to be doing a horror movie review on that at 8 o'clock p.m., 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific time. Then on March 14th, I'm going to be doing a one-on-one interview with independent rapper Dorkish for his independent film, uh, not independent film, but independent uh, record called Parcel Tongue. So check that out. Check out his mixtape and everything. I think you guys might actually like it. Um, then after that, I'm going to be doing the good, the bad, and the ugly franchises with um, Jay Wade. What? Yeah. It's like the Clint Eastwood movie? No, 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 no. The reason why I made that? Okay, so I was just trying to think of something clever. So oh. basically, we're talking about the good franchises and the, and the bad franchises oh. and the ugly side of the different franchises that's out there. Like, for instance, franchises that were supposed to be good that got never got made and also the ugly side of the franchises that we had. Oh, okay. Like for instance, Transformers, for example. Uh, oh man, I was getting hyped up. I was like, oh, the Clint Eastwood movie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you hyped up, but yeah. Wow. Doing, I mean, it's still going to be doing... a good show though. Yeah. It's still going to be a good show. That's done yeah. March 17th. At 8 o'clock p.m., of course. And then after that, I'm going to be having Rossi McCree on with me on the 19th. We're going to be doing a review on White Boy Named Rick. Oh, on stereo? Yep, on stereo. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm getting too hyped. Okay, calm down. Calm down, Tanya. Calm down. And that's actually going to be taking place March 19th at 8 o'clock p.m., 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Pacific Time. Then, of course, Tamiko will be back on April 8th as well, too, at 7 o'clock p.m., and we're going to be doing a hip-hop evolution review. Oh, but, but next be- Saturday, we got the Malcolm X one. Exactly. Right. You see, that's yeah. why, you see, I wanted you to be able to announce that. <laughs> uh, so. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, we're doing... Interrupt me one more time. No, No, you're good, Tamika. (laughs) But like Tamika was saying, we do have Malcolm X review coming up next week. Next weekend, it's on Saturday. It's going to be the grand finale of our Black History Month. We extended out until March because I feel like that with Black History and everything, you need to actually extend it out further because Black History needs to actually have a longer date than 28 days to do black history mm, so well yeah so and yeah. this is what happens when you have an educated woke white friend yes yes thank you and you thank don't you regret it do you? for being you're very welcome no. <laughs> thank you for being woke and educated you're very welcome and thank you for teaching me some stuff i didn't even know about either so i do thank appreciate you. that thank you you're very just, welcome just willing to make white people better <laughs> Now I know what your slogan's gonna be if you run for president. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> I can see Obama going, what did she just do? <laughs> Biden's like, I don't know, but, but I like her. <laughs> Man, I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't know. I be just having too many white people around here. And they be like, <laughs> what? You seriously broke me, though. But that. <laughs> I broke myself. I was like, dang, that's supposed to stay in your mind, child. In your mind. <laughs> Good thing we're not doing a show with Frenchie. I'll tell you that. Good thing this isn't live. Wink. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. Oh. <laughs> so it... all along. <laughs> anyways, guys. Um. So, anyways, if you guys want to, you guys don't have to, but if you choose to do so. You guys can donate to Movie Lovers Unite. How do you do that? I'm glad you guys asked. All you have to do is go ahead and go to www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. And you guys can donate five to ten dollars, whatever amount you want. It doesn't matter just to keep the lights on over here at Movie Lovers Unite to maybe get me a better microphone, better equipment, and things like that. And just to keep the everything going, everything fresh. Also, too. If you guys want to follow me, just go on ahead. Go to Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite on Facebook and on Instagram under that same name. Then, of course, you can follow me on Pinterest and under the same name of Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite over there. Then, of course, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Movie Lovers Unit and Movie, and of course, on Degorio 8 on Twitter. And then, of course, for all your entertainment needs and wants and pleasures, just go to www.movieloversunite.com. Matter of fact, I just. Uh, did a couple of news stories and things like that today. So I wrote out a couple of articles. Go on ahead and check that out. Go on ahead and share that with your friends. And also, too, check me out on YouTube at Movie Lovers Unite over there. And those are all the places they can reach me at. And, of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast at. So go on ahead uh, go on ahead and share this where, where with your friends. Tell them about Movie Lovers Unite. Also, too, rate us on um, Apple Podcasts at Movie Lovers Unite over there. And that's going to be it for the show. Thank you again, Tanika. I do appreciate you uh, being on the show. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> anytime. You're very welcome. Oh, boy. And, and always and until next time, guys. It's been fun. It's been real. I can't wait to do this, do this again tomorrow night. And bye-bye. Bye. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audio books, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audio book and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs another thing too guys that's not all they have they also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021 they have stuff for that too like finishing more books or becoming a better parent leader or a person how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.